It is 4th of July weekend, and so we're going to have a message that has a little bit to do with freedom today, uh, and it might get a little bit uncomfortable. I'm just going to warn you right out of the gate. So if you're feeling uncomfortable, just know I felt uncomfortable this week, and uh, we'll be in the same boat together. Uh, we're going to be talking about David. We've been in a series about David, and we're going to be talking about the time that Israel had lost God, uh, his Ark of the Covenant. They had lost his presence and they're gonna go back and bring the ark back. And in this story, you're gonna hear about David and how he passionately worships God. And uh, it'll get a little bit crazy. Some people will have uh, some opinions uh, that may not line up with David's opinion, but we're gonna take a look at that today. Today's title is David, the, worship, uh, the Passionate Worshiper. If you're taking notes, David, the Passionate Worshiper. Now, I told you you're going to get a little uncomfortable today, and I was thinking about uh, an uncomfortable time uh, in the beginning of my marriage with my wife. So uh, we planned uh, this amazing honeymoon, and I had picked out this beautiful island, uh, this place where uh, we're going to be able to be in the ocean and play, beautiful beaches and fish and corals and all this type of stuff, and I was super excited about it, uh, but there was just one little problem. My wife is terrified of water, Okay. <laughs> So she can't swim. And uh, so I don't know what I was thinking there. Maybe some of you more experienced husbands can kind of see where the story might be going. But uh, so we, we get there, we get on the island, and we're walking around on the beach. And I was like, honey, let's, uh, let's go take a walk in the, in the ocean. We'll just walk along the beach. I kid you not, this woman would not put her toes in the water. She was convinced that the ocean was going to suck her out off the shore and she would never return again. So on day one, uh, she's feeling a little bit uncomfortable. But things have started to get a little bit better. And, you know, of course, we've been uh, hanging out for several days there and she had been playing in the water and we'd been knee deep, waist deep. And on day four, we go uh, to rent a kayak. Somehow I had convinced her to get in a uh, boat and to go out in the ocean. And uh, so we're renting a kayak. They give us life preservers. And she looks with the coldest, most intense stare and, that I've ever seen on a person in her life. And she says, I'll take two. She was convinced that if one last jacket failed, she was going to have two and she was going to be safe. She was going to make sure that nothing went wrong. So we went out. We did that. We had fun. We came back. Uh, nothing bad happened. I don't know if you guys, have you, anybody seen that? that, pick, that uh, video of that whale that comes out and swallows the kayakers. Thank God that didn't happen. I wouldn't be married here today. So uh, had she survived, it would have been all over. But anyway, so uh, day five was our last day, and we had breakfast with this couple who had been married for 40 years, and we were asking them about the, the coolest places that they'd ever been. And they said, by far, uh, the coolest place they'd ever been is here in St. Lucia, and they'd come back many times because of the fish, because of the snorkeling and, and the coral reefs and all the things that you can see and just how beautiful uh, the Caribbean is. And so uh, we got the guts and I talked her into it and we went and we got some snorkeling gear. So this is a picture of my wife and I uh, in our snorkeling gear on this beach, very private beach. It was beautiful, not very many people there. And uh, so we go snorkeling and at first, you know, she's about knee-deep, waist-deep. She had done that before. Uh, she had kind of gotten used to that. But she wouldn't go out in the water. So eventually, I just, I had to go explore. So I, I kind of left my wife behind. I'm like, you can stay here, but I'm going to go check out the fish. And uh, so I started looking around. 
And I'm like, honey, you got to come out. You got to come out deeper. You got to come out deeper because that's where the fish are. They're not up here on the shore. They're out here just a little bit further. And she's like, I'm good. I'm good. So eventually I come back and I grab her and I said, we're going to go out together. You're not going to drown. I will take care of you. She's got the life preserver on. And we wade our way out there. And uh, she gets about 20 feet from the shore, about 10 feet deep of water. And she looks down for the first time. And her life was changed forever. She, didn't, she never came back up. I don't think that she brought her head back out of the water for the next 45 minutes to an hour. She's just exploring and looking. She's feeding the fish. The, that couple had given us some, fit, some food to feed them. And she's feeding the fish. And thousands and thousands of schools of fish, beautiful fish, colorful fish, are just swimming all around her. 45 minutes later, she's like 50 feet from the shore, 30 feet deep of water. And she is just having the experience of her life. And I think about our lives and our walk with God and how easy it is to just stay on the beach, to look at everybody else having that experience with God, getting out in the water, playing in the water, and how it's just safer to not let the water touch us. But my wife, she got uncomfortable that day, and she got out there. And I've been thinking about, like, how many people have been afraid to put the life preserver on? You haven't been following God uh, you, you haven't really trusted him with your life. You haven't made him your savior. And today we're going to give you an opportunity at the end to meet with God and to actually begin to have a relationship with him. Some of you uh, are kind of like me where you have gone out in the ocean and you have gone deep with God and you've had experiences with God, but it's been a long time since you have really gone below the surface with him. You've, you've kind of drifted back up to the top and you're just kind of floating up there. But those things that you used to experience, you need to experience again. And God's going to give you an opportunity today to go deeper with him. And so as we get ready uh, for today's message, can we just all agree that it's okay to get a little uncomfortable today? Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, we uh, come to you today, and we just thank you so much for your son, Jesus, that you made a way for us to have a relationship with you. That every single person in this room can come to you and can know you and can experience your presence for themselves. God, I pray that you would make us uncomfortable. God, that you would challenge us to go deeper than we have ever gone before. That we wouldn't be afraid of what anybody else has to say. God, but we would make space in our lives to seek you and to get to know you in new ways. We give you all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, so power on your Bibles. We're going to start in 1 Chronicles chapter 13. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about David. And there was actually a time in the history of Israel where they had lost the Ark of the Covenant, which is where God's presence was. You think you're far from God? Imagine you were the guy who actually lost God in a battle. That's what happened here. And the Philistines now have the ark. Uh, They go through this uh, actual cursed season where plagues are coming against them because they weren't following God. And so they ship it off to another guy's house named Abinadad. And the, the ark of the covenant has now been sitting at Abinadad's home for 20 years. And so David uh, has just become king. This is a little bit before what we studied last week. Uh, He had just become king, and 
he's ready uh, to set up his kingdom and he's ready to set a new culture. And so he gathers all his people together, uh, his leaders uh, and the people of Israel. And he says this, 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse three. Let us bring the ark of our God back to us for we did not inquire of it in the reign of Saul. If you're taking notes, these are gonna be three steps to become a passionate worshiper. Number one, you have to create a culture that values the presence of God. You know, in my life, I, I've had some really deep moments with God. I've, I've seen God speak to me. I've felt his presence come upon me, the weight of God. He's given me direction. He's given me signs. He's shown me all kinds of things in my life. I've experienced that. But there comes a time in your life where the things that happened end up being a lot further away than what you realize. And this is something that had been happening in my life this week as I've been studying. And Israel, now they have lost God's presence. They're realizing it's time. We got to get back to who we are. We've got to bring the Ark of the Covenant where God's presence dwells back into Jerusalem. And that's what David is doing. He's setting a culture. You know, basketball teams when they're failing or football teams when they're failing, they don't go in and fire all of the players. That'd be too expensive. It's hard to replace an entire team. Who do they fire? The coach. They fire the coach because it's easier to change the leadership and get the culture to change and then get those players to play better than it is to replace all those people. And what David was saying is the way that Saul used to do things isn't working. It's not working. So I'm the new guy in town. We're going to set a new culture. And this has been challenged me. What is the culture that you're creating in your life with God? What is the culture that you are creating in your life with God? I want to show you guys a picture of the ark. This is a picture of the ark of the covenant. And what the ark is, is it was a wooden box that was overlaid in gold. And inside that box, Israel would keep its most sacred possessions. In there, you would have uh, the staff of Aaron that had been used in many miraculous seasons of Israel's past. You would have uh, the two stone tablets that had the Ten Commandments written on it, where they learn God's law. They start to get to know what his heart is and what's holy and what's right and who God really is. And then also inside that ark, they would have uh, a jar uh, that would have the manna inside of it that God was providing for them when they were wandering through the wilderness. And God was providing every single need that they have. He provided food for them. He provided water for them. He provided uh, their shoes were, were so well taken care of that over 40 years of walking in a wilderness, they never wore out. God was taking care of them. And so they put their most sacred objects inside of here to remind them of the things that God had done in their life. And then on top here, you can see uh, what's called the mercy seat. That's the lid that goes on the top of the box. And that's where the two cherubim with their wings would stretch forward. And the wings would cover the top of the ark. And on the mercy seat is the place where the Levites would come, uh, the high priest would come and perform uh, the atoning sacrifice on the day of atonement. They would provide for the sins of Israel. Israel, any, uh, during the year, they would, whenever they'd have sins, at the end of the year, they would come back, they would do the atoning sacrifice, and the animal that was sacrificed would pay the price for their sins because they were far from God. This innocent one would die for them. And when God looked down on the top of that ark, he would see the blood. He would see the innocent blood, and his presence could dwell there because there was, there was no sin between him and man. 
And then you see on the side there, you see the wooden poles that were meant to carry the ark. And the Levites, the priests, the ones that were called to the act of service, would be, actually be the ones that would lift that ark and walk with it throughout uh, the desert as they were wandering around in the wilderness. So the first thing you got to do is create a culture that values the presence of God. David wants to be someone who's going to seek God, and he wants to put this ark that you saw there in the middle of Jerusalem, which is in the capital of their country. 2 Samuel 6, verse 3 says, they set the ark of God on a new cart. Now, I want you to remember that because we're going to come back to that. They set the, the ark of God on a new cart, and they brought it from the house of Abinadad, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadad, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord. They were praising God. They were worshiping. They were excited. The ark is coming back to Jerusalem. And, they, and with castanets and harps and lyres and timbrels and sistrums and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen had stumbled. You ever have a moment in your life where things are just not going the way you expected? where you're reaching out to God and you're like, hey, I'm doing all the right things. I'm worshiping, I'm praising, I'm following you, God. I'm honoring you, God. But yes, things just go wrong. Somebody stumbles, something falls. Well, here, Uzzah reaches out and touches it. And in verse seven, it says, the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark. This was, this was a tragedy, Israel is shocked. David is fearful because God is a holy God, and he saw God's holy anger burn in this moment as man reached out and touched the Ark of the Covenant where God's presence was. But David was also angry. He was mad because he's like, hey, we're doing the right to hear thing, God. You know, we're worshiping you. We're trying to honor you. We're trying to put you first in our lives. We're going to put you in the center of Jerusalem. That's where everybody's going to see it. So we can come and we can inquire of you. But here's the thing. They weren't doing it the way that God asked them to do it. They had put God's Ark of the Covenant on a cart. And where would they get the idea for that? Well, if you look a little bit earlier when they lost the Ark, it was the Philistines, their enemies, that actually put him put the ark on the cart. And they had two calves that led it away to the house of Abinadad. And now we see Israel 20 years later doing the same thing. Did you know that God's presence was not made to be carried by an animal? It was made to be carried by his people. They had wooden poles that they were to carry the ark with. And it was the people of God that were meant to walk with God and to carry him. If you look back to the garden of Eden, in the garden, when God created man and there was no sin in the earth, God walked side by side with man. And he was in, man was in God's presence. But then when sin came, God separated us and it made us far from him. And we needed something to make us holy, something to die in our place because our sin had separated us and our sin deserved death because we were no longer holy. And so that's where the animal sacrifices came from. And they began to sacrifice those animals on the mercy seat on the Day of Atonement. 
But now we see in the Bible how since the separation, since the fall of man, God has been making a way for us to come back to him. And so if you look at the tabernacle of Moses, he built a tent for God and he would go and meet with him and God would come and fill the space that, God, that man had made. Man makes a space and now God is coming to fill it. If you look at the Ark of the Covenant, man makes an ark and it's God who comes and puts his presence there right there with man so that they can walk together. And in the, in the temple uh, that Solomon's going to build after David uh, dies, in that temple, they would pray and they would sacrifice and they would worship and the glory of God, the weighty glory of God would come and fill and it would flood the entire place and people were rocked. You can go read about it. It's an incredible moment in Israel's history where God comes and shows up. His presence is there and he would meet with them in the temple that they built. But today, today, today you are that temple. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16. It says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that the God's spirit dwells in your midst? You're the one who's called to carry God's presence. You're the one who God wants to walk with. He wants to have a relationship with you. He's always wanted to have a relationship with you. And today he's challenging us as we talk about worship that we can actually be in the presence of God. 2 Samuel 6, verse 17, it says, they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. Point number two, if you're taking notes, make space to worship God. You gotta make some space. In the garden, God makes space for us, but today we make space for him. And when you make space for him, he'll come and fill it. The spaces that you created yesterday don't count anymore. His presence is new every single day. Every single day you can spend time in his presence. That's the thing that I started doing this week. Is so I started, uh, I started doing some things that I used to do. When I first got called into ministry, there was a song that was playing on, on, uh, in the worship service, and it was called The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord. I downloaded that on my phone. I cranked it up in my car. I put it on repeat. I got all excited again. I remembered what God had done in my life again, just like those tablets in the ark or that jar of man in the ark. I got, I got thinking about how God had moved in my life again, and it got me excited again. And then I began to talk to him again. Here's some tips for making space uh, in your life to worship God. First, create some regular rhythms, okay? This is just basic. These are things that, you know, you've probably heard a hundred times. Make some space, some regular space, some regular rhythms in your life where you can worship him. That could be in the morning. You could spend some time sitting down and reading the word. It could be in the evening. You could spend some time popping on uh, something on Spotify and, and listening to some worship music and praising and worshiping him. It could be uh, in the afternoon. You could spend some time just reading the word, but make some space for him. Even the son of God, Jesus, made regular space for God in his life. He would retreat in the morning and he would go and pray. After he spent time with all the people, he would go away and he'd spend more time investing in his relationship with God, spending time with him and knowing him. If the son of God needs to spend time in his father's presence, how about us? How much do you think we need God's presence in our life? So first thing that you can do, you can build regular rhythms. The second thing you can do is be ready for spontaneous seconds. Be ready for spontaneous seconds. Now, this is when you're going throughout your day 
and something good happens and you just decide to praise him. You know, you find out that uh, you're not sick anymore and your cold goes away and you just say, God, I praise you for that. I'm thankful that I'm feeling better again. Things are going my way. I'm gonna give you praise. Maybe somebody takes you out for lunch and you're like, Lord, you are good. You provided a lunch for me today. Thank you so much. I'm so blessed to be in your presence. But we begin to include him in our day. When our child uh, finally uh, decides to listen and, and, and they do the thing that we've been teaching them to do and they see the blessing in their life and we say, God, God, your work is happening in the next generation. They're doing it. They're doing it. That's when we begin to take some spontaneous seconds to include him on our day. Don't spend time with him in the morning and the evening. Spend time with him throughout your day. Be ready for those spontaneous seconds. I heard a pastor one time call it popcorn prayers, where they would just pop and he would just throw up a quick prayer to God. But include God in those parts of your life. And then the third tip is to revisit. Revisit those sacred moments in your life. Where are the times in your life where you've seen God speak to you? Maybe it was when you gave your heart to the Lord, if you're following Jesus. Maybe it was the time uh, that he uh, told you where to live or he told you. I remember for myself, I remember God spoke to me uh, to go into ministry. I remember he spoke to me to go to St. Louis to help plant a church. I remember he spoke to me to come back to my hometown to build up a, a youth ministry and to revive it and to bring it back. And I remember he spoke to me uh, to marry my wife. And I remember he spoke to me to come to Indianapolis, revisit those moments Think on those things that God has done in your life. Our relationship with God is much like our relationship with anybody. You have to revisit those things. My wife and I, we talk about uh, the time that we went uh, to St. Lucia often, and we talk about when are we gonna do that again? We look forward to it. We get excited for it. Uh, We talk about uh, the moments in our life that we've had good times. And if your relationship is lacking, I encourage you, revisit those sacred moments. God is looking for man to make space for him so he can fill it. 1 Corinthians 3.16, one more time. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? So today we're going to get a little uncomfortable. This is where things start to turn. Who's ready to get uncomfortable today? You don't know what you signed up for, I promise. I love it. James is ready. I'm going to have the worship team come on back out. Here they come. Come on out. They're going to help lead us today. And I want everybody in the room to stand up. Here we go. Here we go. Tell your neighbor, it's going to get uncomfortable. Tell your other neighbor, I'm getting scared. It's okay to be honest. It's okay to be honest. I'm going to read this scripture to you before we start. 2 Samuel 6, verses 14, it says, Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. And while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and with the sound of trumpets, um, they they were shouting with sounds of trumpets. And as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in his heart. Verse 20, it says, when David returned from home uh, to bless his household, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came to him and met him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in the full view of the slave girls and of the servants as any vulgar fellow would. David's getting free. He's worshiping God. He's like, hey, 
God is back in the house, baby, and I am going to worship. And he doesn't care what the daughter of Saul, the former king, thinks. He's going to worship, and he's going to do it passionately. Now, it says he's wearing a linen ephod. I don't know exactly what that looked like. I don't know, but all, all I do know is, is that Mikal says that he was going around half naked. So uh, there was, there could, you could say there might have been a little bit too much freedom here today. So we're going to do something really different. We're going to have a dance party, and you guys are going to be a part of it. Some of you guys said, man, I will never go to a church like that. <laughs> you didn't know where you came today. We're going to dance. If David can dance, and if he can be passionate for the Lord, why can't we? If David can get uncomfortable and show God how much he loves him, how about us? Who's ready? All right. You don't know what you signed up for. Here we go. Play it for us. Come on, let's go. All right, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough. I don't want anybody to get hurt here today, so you guys can take a seat. Don't worry, we got more time to worship. Got more time to worship. We'll see who the real worshipers are at the end of the service here today. So a guy, I, there was a guy that was sitting in the front row, and he didn't know what we were going to be talking about today, last service. And uh, when we went back into worship, I saw him grab his stuff, go back three seats, and then he, he kind of started doing his thing. So I don't know what God's going to do in your life today, but he was still holding his cup of coffee. He, you know, he's got to have a little bit of comfort in his life. But um, we've become very comfortable in this country. We've become very comfortable in church. And we have taken a long uh, stretch and seasons in our lives, most of us, where we have not gotten uncomfortable. And I'm here to tell you today that God wants to make you uncomfortable. He doesn't want you to be comfortable. He doesn't want you to sit in a chair every week and say, check, made it to church today. He wants to have a relationship with you. And that's going to require time. And that's going to require space. And that's going to require effort. You have to invest. You have to get away from Sunday morning and thinking that Sunday morning is the day when God's presence can come and rest on us. And start saying, God, what is it that you want to do in my life right this second? God, where are you at and where are you moving and where are you taking your church today? I want to be a part of that. You got to be willing to get off of the shore and start diving into the water and getting your head below the surface and saying, God, what's going on? Take me deeper in your presence. Take me deeper in my relationship with you and get me so uncomfortable that only I can live for you, that I, have, I live so passionately that I don't care what the daughter of the former king thinks. I only care what you think. I don't care who's looking at me. I'm going to raise my hands in worship. I don't care who's sitting next to me. I'm going to dance with all my might the scriptures say about David. We've got to get uncomfortable. Do you know that there are countries in this world where people cannot gather together to worship? They don't have the freedom that we have. And yet we come to a place where we can gather and worship and we choose not to. We hold on to our coffee cup. No offense to the guy last service. 
But we hold on to our coffee cup because it's more comfortable to hold on to that than to express our love and our devotion for our Heavenly Father. And that's the kind of worship that David was having. That's the way he wanted his kingdom to serve God. He wanted to serve it passionately. Who's ready to get uncomfortable today? I know I am. Uh, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, sorry, Acts chapter uh, 17, verse 24, it says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and an earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he does and is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Maybe you've lost your connection to God and you feel far away from him. God is not far from you. He's not so far that he can't bring you back. You just have to lean in and trust him. You know, I told you that story uh, about my wife and I uh, going snorkeling, and this was such a moment in my wife's life that she's been telling the kids for 15 years about it. 15 years of stories of these fish and how she got off the shore. She put the life jacket in, and she went out there, and she saw the fish. And this year, on our 15th anniversary, uh, we got to go to Hawaii on vacation. This is a picture uh, of my family uh, in Hawaii, and uh, this was a make-a-wish trip. So one of the sacred moments in our life was Isaiah, our second oldest, who's on the far left, he had leukemia, and God healed him of that leukemia. And so his wish, you can give God some praise for that. His wish was that he could go swimming in the ocean with the sea turtles. And so uh, we went out. We were on this boat. You see my wife. She's still terrified of the water. That has not changed. Uh, but we're having a great time, and the kids are so excited. And I want to show you this video. Uh, and in this video, you're going to see my kids begin to swim and snorkel uh, for the first time. And there's a turtle uh, right at the end that you'll see we're floating on top of the water, and there's this sea turtle that pops its head out where we're swimming with the sea turtle. Go ahead and play this video. Go underwater. It's my son Elijah. There's Ezra. There's Elijah again. This is Esther. There's some of the fish. And then this is a sea turtle popping his head out. And going back under. And it was, let me tell you, it was an incredible experience. Her passion for the ocean is now rubbing off on my kids. My kids' favorite place to go on vacation is the beach. They love the water. And my wife could make them afraid of water, but she doesn't. She gives them a joy and a passion to do that. The thing that you do in your life to serve God will rub off on the people around you, and it will change history. And we wanna be a church, our church, Mercy Road, we wanna be a church that does change history. We wanna be a church that our city is different because of the worship that is in this place. Not just the worship that's in this place, but the presence of God that is with his people that reside in this place. And that's the thing that I desire in my life that I'm trying to shake myself and get uncomfortable about again, is I gotta get in his presence. 
I gotta be changed by him. I gotta get to know him again so that I don't have a moment where I stray off course, but get to know who he really is, his holiness, his presence, his power, his healing power in my life again. And so I wanna pray for you guys today. We have a prayer room over here, but I'm gonna pray with you guys first. If anybody wants to go over there, you can always go over there uh, as we begin to worship. But I wanna pray for anybody in this room that you're saying, it's time for me to go deeper. It's time for me to go deeper in my walk with God. I don't wanna be on the surface and just look at what's happening on top. I wanna see what God is doing and I'm willing to get below the surface to see what, where he's moving. If that's you and you need to go deeper in your relationship with God, I want you to raise your hand because I'm gonna pray for you this morning. Just lift up your hand right now, passionately. If that's you, lift up your hands, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, that's amazing. Just keep them up for a second. We're gonna pray that God's gonna do something in your life. Okay, you can put them down. And the second group of people I wanna pray for are those who say, man, I do not have a relationship with God. I want to know him. I want to have that relationship, Rob, that you're talking about. I wanna be forgiven of my sins. I wanna feel the presence of God and be close to him. If that's you, I want you to passionately put your arm up. Yep, I see that hand. Who else? Who else needs to have a relationship? I see two more hands. Thank you. In the front row over here. Yep, in the back. Wow. We're gonna pray for you as well. Go ahead and put your hand down. God, we just come before you today. Uh, we didn't know what you were gonna do. We didn't know what you were gonna say. We just showed up on a 4th of July weekend, just ready to see what you were gonna do. And God, you came and you're meeting with us right now. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. I pray right now for every person that wants to have a deeper faith with you, that they're willing to, to get below the surface and to see uh, just what you're doing in the earth today. They wanna see it in their lives. God, I pray that you would move. I pray that you would meet them. I pray that they would walk with you and experience your presence on a daily basis. And God, I also wanna pray for those that wanna turn their lives over to you. God, we pray right now, forgive us of our sins that have separated us from you and we receive your son, Jesus, as the one who paid the price so that we could have relationship with you. We give our hearts to you, we love you, and we worship you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.